0: Welcome to the Heart of Roll America podcast. I'm your host, Amanda Radke, an American cattle rancher and motivational speaker, raising my kids and writing children's books in South Dakota. There's a David and Goliath story unfolding in agriculture today. And I don't know about you, but my money is on the underdog, the hardworking folks who value faith, family, freedom, and their farming communities. This show will highlight the untold stories of these resilient and determined families who I have the great pleasure of meeting in my travels across this nation as an agricultural speaker. It is my hope that their stories will remind us to live with great courage because we are not alone in this fight to keep producers on the land and meet dairy and eggs on the dinner table. Now let's hit the dusty trail together as we uncover the heart of rural America. Welcome to the show. Here's my mom, Amanda Radke. It's Amanda Radke, back for another episode of the Heart of Rural America podcast. I've got two guys in the hot seat today. I said that last time you were on the show, Chris Earl. Apparently, I want to like put the flame to the fire when you get on the show. But we have two great guests today, and it's going to be an informative, rowdy, everything in between discussion. So Aaron Duval of Capital Angus and Texas Beef House, alongside Chris Earl of CK6 Consulting, welcome to the show.
1: Thank you. Great to be here, Amanda. Thanks.
0: Thanks well, man. It, it, it's an exciting time. It's fall and we're gearing up for bull sale season. And as I understand it, you guys have a big event coming up here in November. Now, the whole point of this podcast is to highlight good people across this country who are doing innovative things in agriculture to become price makers instead of price takers and to truly add value back to their operations and I know you're a family operation, and so maybe just to start the show, kick things off, tell us a little bit about Capital Angus and the family history and what you guys all do.
1: Yeah, you know, we uh, started this when we moved back to Tyler about 25 years ago. Started off just small and got into a registered operation, and then also had a um, beef operation where we mainly sold on halves and wholes, and then as we grew, we saw that the demand our beef operation was going to, have to change so that we could sell the beef by the piece and not just in the large, you know, volumes of half and holes because just uh, the market was very small for people that had big freezers that could accommodate a whole beef or a half beef. So we made a transition to um, Texas Beef House and kind of started to expand to where we now ship, you know, all over the United States and we have local markets here in Tyler and we supply. Really a vision that we started that there are kind of two businesses that are dovetailed into one. You know, mm-hmm. there's the, the, the beef business, which is the Texas Beef House. The engine that runs that is our Angus business, capital Angus. And so I just think that, you know, as you look at the business model of ranchers and our end product is beef, what really is a, a huge challenge for us is trying to get the value that we have in the animal and retain it. As, mm-hmm. the, as the farmer, as the rancher. And so that's kind of the the motive and the idea behind our model is to take our beef from cradle to the grave. So we take it from the beginning, the calf's born here and then the calf is harvested here. And then we have a USDA butcher that processes our beef and then it's marketed out. Just depends on whether we ship it or we sell it locally. We do farmer's market. There's anything we can to get our beef in front of people. It's admittedly a slow process. I mean, uh, we've been doing this for 10 years now and are really just starting to get traction. Maybe we just don't know what we're doing with our advertising, but it's it's a it's a word of mouth kind of uh, growth. And you know, it's a sound growth and very predictable growth, but it uh, has allowed us to capture, I think the part of the market that ranchers are gonna have to tap into where we take the middleman out of the equation and we keep the profits that are, are going to the middleman.
0: Well, this tees up the perfect question for Chris Earl talking about how the beef industry is held captive by four major packers that control 85% of the beef industry. Chris, what have you seen as far as the challenges today's cattleman and woman faces and as far as retaining that value and getting paid for what they do and what opportunities do you see even in the midst of kind of corruption and a monopoly and just corporate greed that really is kind of bleeding out a lot of producers as well?
2: Well, you, for me, you, You know, Amanda, you jump in a truck and you come to White House, Texas, you know, because a lot of these things you can talk about. Right. We all know the factors that affect the beef business. And it's a monopolization, you know, through corporations that have cozy relationships with the rule forming people, which is government. And then so what you try and do is you try and incentivize people to go out to the market, trust the market and say, here's what we're doing. This is what we think it's worth, or let's price discover what it's worth. And that's what's happened here in White House, Texas. Mm-hmm. I mean, the Duvals set down this path. There's not one challenge you can put in front of the Duvals that they've ever said no to us on. And, um, you know, this is a manifestation of let's fix this. You know, we want what we deserve that we're that we're doing. That is the American way. It's a great Texas way, too, is that, you know, they get into something and they want to work hard, but at the end of the day, they want a great product and they want to be paid for it. And so when you come here, you see a premium product that is both designed through their Angus program, but is also sold to the marketplace. And what's coming in the November sale, for the first time I think that I can remember, ever remember in the country, we're gonna, we're gonna price discover, you know, primal cuts and cuts of beef through an auction process that will be conjoined with their Angus production sale. It's one of those things people always ask, what is, you know, where are the solutions? Uh, We're sitting in the solution here. This is where the auction is going to take place. We're going to see what the market can bear, you know, and that is all about being profitable and setting your price. And I think we, uh, Aaron and I talked about it today, is that, you know, we need to shift from price takers and you have a great term to price makers Mm -hmm. and price making is going to happen here in November. And that's what we also ask them to do in their Angus product is that let's set the price, let's set the market. So as you look to uh, the challenges going forward, independent minds like my friend Aaron and his family that venture into this, this is what the free market was created for. This is the solution. The solution is, you know what, you major four, there's no political will to break you up. Therefore, we're going to go do what we think we need to do. That is the solution. The more people we can get themselves to get to that mindset and do these things, the better the market will be.
0: Well, that's a hard mindset to arrive to. I've had many cattle producers yell at me for talking about that because I say you talk about the packers and the corruption. You see what Congress is doing. They're not in any hurry to fix anything for the American cattleman. In fact, they've largely been a part of making a lot of the challenges that we face in the cattle industry. So our, our options are go broke or bleed red every year or say, hey, I'm not gonna work with these corporate goons that are criminals in their own countries. And instead, I'm gonna step outside of that system. I'm going to capture that value because I'm tired of seeing the packer year after year making mega profits while while I'm struggling back here doing all the work for 95% of that beef animal's life. So Aaron, I guess my question to you, because like I said, I get a lot of pushback when I talk to guys about, hey, take your, take your product all the way to the consumer, to the retail end. They say, well, it's, you know, I'm a cowboy. I like raising cattle. I don't really like dealing with people and, and slinging steaks one at a time is really tough. How was that transition for you guys getting into the beef space and, and working with restaurants and, and families and, and people from town?
1: Yeah, I think, I think you have to kind of, first of all, size up your market where you live and, you know, some people live in rural areas where they don't have access to a market. You know, we live in a more urban area. I mean, you're, we're still rural Texas, but uh, we're close to Dallas and Houston and Austin and the places we can ship beef to fairly easily. And Tyler itself is over 100,000 people. So one of the advantages of where we ranch is that we have access to a market that, you know, when I sell bulls, I sell bulls to a couple hundred. And when I sell beef, I sell 1,000 people. So my consumer... and You know it's a if you can get in that market it's a very very stable market in the sense of demand supply and demand but it it is a it's a whole nother business in the sense of grazing beef is is you know what all ranchers are more and bred to do but uh harvesting beef and marketing beef and getting into the beef market has been a challenge for us as well but i think you know the most important thing about our beef product is that it's a a quality product. You can't fudge quality, and if you have quality beef and Angus bring the most quality, I believe to uh, any breed. As far as when it comes down to set the table and have an eating experience, you know we believe we're on the we're on the right track with our product. It just it takes a long time to to build a market, so there's there's no shortcuts. I wish you know we could just come out in a year or two and and have advertising and everybody find us. But also we do not target restaurants at this point. You know we're going to start to broaden our scope and uh, target more the, the restaurants and, and uh, steaks, steakhouses and things like that. But we've really targeted the, the homeowner, the family, and uh, we provide beef to the, the local markets. You know, I think you, you can't expect it to just happen overnight because it's not, but it's steady growth. And I believe in the American way. I believe in the entrepreneurial spirit and the rule of supply and demand. Mm-hmm. If there's a, demand out there, then I want to be the one that supplies, you know, and I think there's always going to be a demand for good beef. And uh, I think it's time that the ranger steps up and is able to supply that to the market without us taking it on the chin by the middle guys.
0: Absolutely. The Heart of Rural America is presented to you by my dear friends at CK6 Consulting, a cattle business consulting service with a purebred Angus focus. I recently joined the CK6 crew, and I would love to connect with you at an upcoming sale. Check out the sale calendar at ck6consulting.com to learn more about opportunities to invest in elite Angus genetics coming from our progressive and innovative clients who truly exemplify what it means to be the heart of rural America. And for all your semen needs, visit ck6source.com, an online stud service that features some of our clients' top performing bulls. Give Chris Earle, Wes Teeman, Cody Fleeman, or myself a call with any questions or business inquiries you may have. CK6 is all about families helping families, and I'm so proud and grateful to be a part of it. Now let's get back to the show. Before we talk about the genetics that make this great beef eating experience possible, Chris, let's talk about the concept of taking beef to auction. I mean, this, this is going to raise some eyebrows. People are going to say, what are they doing? This is crazy. Uh, so tell me a little bit about the vision behind it and, and who you're hoping is, is kind of watching online or, or in the stands sale day bidding on this beef
2: well just a little bit like you Amanda we get as you as you open up and you start voicing an opinion to the public you get a lot of feedback good and good and bad right mm-hmm. and one of my feedbacks was i get a lot of restaurant tours that Send me emails or call or whatever, and, and having a meat company myself back in Illinois back in the day, you know, you realize a lot of these, uh, because the monopolization also goes to the delivery of the product from the major four, mm-hmm. is that, you know, a lot of these places, especially maybe a little bit more ro- weren't getting their orders filled. You know, they might order this 100% of their order, truck comes in, they get 25 to 50% of their order. Mm -hmm. So then you couple that with what I see in my everyday life. And that is because of parameters that prime was becoming very scarce Mm -hmm. and it's becoming more scarce as, as days on feed are less, as more Mexican cattle come across the border. A lot of this stuff is, is, is coming into America to fulfill consumption, not fill the high end steak need. Mm -hmm. So as I look at my last 10 or 15 years, as you watch the beef scenario, there's one market that has not been affected. And that is the high-end steak market. Mm -hmm. As long as I can remember, the steakhouses are full. People go there. The top end of the American people have become extremely wealthy, which leads to the final piece that really got me thinking was, and I've turned into one of these people, now that I'm a wealthy guy, but when I go eat a steak, because I'm getting to this point in my life, I don't care if it's $40, Amanda, or a hundred. I want a good experience for that ribeye or whatever I get. That's $60 difference on the margin, 60. Mm -hmm. So you tell me that if a guy can't get his product, right, and he knows he can price it between 40 and 100 and still fulfill the demand like Aaron was speaking about, he is going to go find that product no matter where it is. Most guys, especially that cut their own primals, cut their own stakes. I love these guys that are still across the country. They want the primals. They'll cut their stake, they just need to get them. Maybe they gotta pay two, $2 more. Maybe they gotta pay $4 more. Maybe they gotta pay $10 more. But if they've still got that margin by which it is a profitable experience, then I wanted to fulfill the supply and demand through coming to the market with a high-end product. And there's one guy, right? The doctor, one of my good friends, the doctor that, you know, You, you know,
1: first time you said it, I want it to be us.
2: Awesome
0: awesome
1: novel idea you know it's going to be kind of the maiden voyage of this uh, model but you know it will we will adapt to it you know this has traction and takes off and we can find some people that we can supply then you know then we will we will, be, we will create a a new model you know and i think that's what the american way is it's, it's creating a better mousetrap you know right now our mousetrap is jacked up and we need a better mousetrap so who's better to do it than the, the american farmer and american rancher because we're the ones putting all the blood, sweat, and tears into this product, we should capture the benefit of it. And there's no reason in our market that we can't come up with a better model. I mean, everything's becoming so high-tech and accessibility, and you know, uh, people all across the United States can access a cell online. Things get shipped every day without it being, you know, under the monopoly of a certain group. You know, so we can find ways around those obstacles. But it just you know, we have to have the belief that we can create a product that's going to be in demand and that we can bring that product to market and we have to find our place at the table to bring it to market. And that's kind of what this new beginning is with Chris and this auction is to, to see if we can't find access to the market for our, for the ranching world, you know?
0: Well, and it's, it's interesting to me because the media tells us every day the cow is destroying the planet. The politicians are convinced that they can regulate us out of business. Uh, these, these, celebrities and influencers like to think that we're not gonna be eating beef at all in the future. We're gonna be eating bugs and their fake meat coming out of the little labs. And yet the American people say, no, we really like beef. And Chris and I talk about this quite often, but the best thing that the American cattle rancher has is leverage. You have the land, you have the cattle, and you have the supply. But we often give up that third piece, which is the supply, the product that is so beloved here and around the world And so I'm just very excited for the sale to come. So tell us a little bit about November 11th, sale day. You guys are going to sell the beef first, right? So kind of what's the format? How's it going to look? And what can people expect?
2: We're still bringing the format together, but it's going to be in the middle part of the day. So the beef part will sell first. So we're right in a sale barn and then they have cooler space, huge amount of cooler space right in their sale barn. we got to bring kind of the logistics of, of marketing Angus and marketing beef to same on the same day, but we kind of sense a group of maybe a group of people that are here locally, people for the beef with a, hopefully a very large online presence. So we kind of maybe want to move them in early in the day and then move the purebred people, commercial people in later in the day. You know, the vision is really that we're going to have to be, look, at the end of the day on an auction process, people make the buy, the process by which it's delivered, the process by which it's consistent. All this stuff has to be seamless. This is the challenge of putting it in front of an auction. So the product of, you know, the product is going to be ready. I mean, no one wants to bid on, nobody wants to bid on something that looks like they're buying it. They want to actually bid on what they're going to get. Yeah. So those stakes, those primals, those things are gonna to have to be displayed. This is your product. This is wow. not a plastic picture of a stake, right? This is your product. It's and really that's awesome. that's part of what you and I talk about. And that's that's property rights. That's everything. That's mine, right? I purchased that. That's mine. So we have to have make sure that's all laid out and all constructed and think that it's fairly quickly moving and that, that we have the process by which it's gonna be delivered immediately. And we will have all those things in place prior to that. And then, uh, and then that moves us into the second part of the day, which is really the price discovery on purebred Angus bulls, be the largest bull sale we've ever had here, purebred Angus females, be the largest group of females we've ever offered. And that's because this program is growing very quickly, leaps and bounds. They've adjusted their management systems to create high-end animals in volume. And it's impressive to see. So therefore, more more high-end animals are accessible to sale. Couple that with what we think we're going to get a lot of attention from the beef side and the Texas beef house side, be a lot of eyes on this program. So, you know, we want to uh, we want to make sure we fulfill expectations and that we've done everything we can, you know, from a consulting side and, and, and a conceptual side that the Duvals feel very comfortable how about how the day will flow and and how it'll all go down. So
0: Prime to be a great day, pun intended on the prime part. Aaron, tell me a little bit about your breeding philosophy, the genetics or some of the foundation females that have, have kind of built the program to what it is today.
1: One of the biggest challenges in the, the ranching business for young ranchers like our outfit, you know, we're a first generation rancher for as registered Angus. And so me and my son Tyler, he's 35 years old, he's our ranch manager. You know, we've kind of picked this up from the beginning. We didn't own any land, any cows, anything. So we kind of had to put this all together from the ground up. It just takes time. That's the only reason I say that. It just takes a lot of time to do that. You know, you have to grow this process. But in the end, you just have to remember that quality is what's going to keep you here. You know, at the end of the day, and I met Chris over 10 years ago, and Chris has been just an intricate part of Capital Angus, and now kind of working his way into our relationship with Texas Beef House. But without quality animals, animals that really be, kind of become the foundation of what your program is, you keep hitting the restart button, you know, and we just can't afford to do that. You know I mean? You can't ever get a day back. You can't ever, can't ever get a breeding season back. So it takes a lot of energy and thought to go into your breeding because your breeding is going to produce your product. And then that's your, you know, your next generation is based off that. So, you know, it is so important to, you know, the question you ask. you know, is your foundational cows are the ones that you just you know you can't go wrong on and 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 really it's uh, it's a story I'll tell on myself but you know we owned a herd of Angus registered Angus cows when I met Chris I met him up in Dallas Fort Worth and uh, I could really tell that you know this guy was um, you know had his pulse on the industry and knew knew a lot about the Angus breed specifically. And so we brought him back home and showed him the ranch and the cows. And of course, he'd already seen some of our bulls we were selling. I said, Chris, so just, you know, give it to me straight. You know, I want to know what I'm going to do to make my program better.
0: Because I'm
1: a doctor, so I'm not pretending to, to be a, I think a specialist, but you are. So tell me what to do. He said, sell everything you got and we're starting over. So you I know fired, I, I fired him that day but i hired him back that night but. <laughs> um <laughs> yeah,
0: i can i the, can feel your pain i am well, going
1: here at the moment that's the uh, kind of start we had so we started over you know and uh, we had commercial cattle we went uh, went out and bought the highest dollar cow in the next sale on the next one and the next one and that's how we put together our foundation females and they all looked apart the and they all were performance cattle and we still own all their offspring today and so every mm-hmm cow that Chris has put us on that we could afford we were glad we got her and we still are to this day we we we, we try to go around and, and pick cattle that are gonna be foundational cattle for the next generations to go and they're they're based off their phenotype but our vision is easy to see because it's tied in to the beef business mm-hmm. they have to marble. we raise cattle to eat and so I've always focused on the marbling aspect, and there's many more aspects to the animal that you know we, we focus on, but we don't lose sight of that, that, that. No matter how fast they grow or you know how good they produce milk, you gotta be able to eat them, and it has to be a very good quality piece of meat. So that trumps about everything we do, is that mm-hmm. the other day, we, we raise our beef to eat, and we don't lose sight of that. We um, are now trying to uh, kind of shore up the, the weak spots And our cattle where we maybe didn't look at another EPD in the past, we're we're paying a lot more attention to those and trying to kind of fill in those holes like all the ranchers do. You know, we're we're chasing chasing genetics while remaining true to phenotype. I think it's hard to stay on a vision. And our vision is to raise good marbling cattle that pay when you sell them. You know, whether it's you you sell them by the piece or you sell them to a rancher who's going to put them on their cows they have to produce an end product that's going to be sourced back to them and, and, and then that ranchers are going to benefit from it.
2: Mm-hmm. And so
1: they have to be heavy cattle and they have to be low maintenance cattle, but they have to marble. And so we, we will not lose track of that part of our vision that these cattle have to be high marbling cattle.
0: I love the vision and I, I love just that focus on the leading genetics that lead to that ultimate great beef eating experience. And these are cattle that work in any environment too. And it all kind of comes together and that's what's so cool about Capitol Angus and, and Texas Beef House. The Heart of Rural America is presented in part by Lynn's Heritage Angus and Meats by Lynn's. Founded in 1963 as a Chicago neighborhood butcher shop and growing to an international supplier of high quality beef in the white tablecloth space Meats by Lins is a four-generation, family-owned business. The Lins Heritage Angus program was developed to allow for greater control of the end product. A focus on using elite Angus genetics, while also managing the feed, environment, age, and weight of the cattle, allows Fred Lins and his crew the ability to source the very best beef produced from the heart of their Angus program, meeting and exceeding the needs of their customers worldwide. Discover more at lindsheritageangus.com and shop for beef at shoplinds.com. Use code AMANDA20 to save 20% on your next beef purchase. That's a pretty sweet deal, my fellow beef lovers. Working cattle can be stressful at times, but the job is made so much easier with equipment that is safe, strong, and simply designed. I highly recommend real tough livestock equipment for all your working facility needs. We just installed the deluxe chute at Radke Land and Cattle, and it has been an absolute game changer as we run cows through our chute during AI season. It's durable and easy to use, and it's made to last a lifetime. Real Tough offers a wide range of products, including calving barns, panels, loading chutes, tubs, alleys, and portable working systems. Manufactured in the U.S. of A., Real Tough is family-owned and operated. Their commitment to helping farm and ranch families truly exemplifies what this show is all about. Learn more at realtough.com, that's T-U-F-F, and be sure to tell them Amanda sent you to receive an extra bonus with your order. Let's get you some iconic green Real Tough equipment headed your way. I promise you're going to love it. You brought up two things, and I'd like Chris to comment on this because he seems to be very good at coaching people into kind of getting their operations where they need to be to really capture that value. You mentioned, number one, that you're a first-generation rancher. And it's interesting because I've gotten a lot of feedback for podcast requests for guests of hey, the beef industry from the outside looking in looks like a good old boys club where you had to be born into it and have multiple generations that brought you to this space. Otherwise, it's impossible. Um, And then the second thing uh, that you said was you talked about changing directions. So, so often in agriculture, we get in this rut of like, this is how we've always done it. We can't redirect. And Chris, with what you do with CK6 Consulting, you kind of blow those two concepts up and (laughs) rewrite the rules. And so, just for the listeners, maybe it's a young person thinking about getting into the cattle business or a family operation who's kind of hit a dead end of it's not working, it's not paying the bills. Because what would be your best advice for those folks?
2: Well, I think every advice on any business, and I'll speak specifically to the Angus or cattle business, you, you have to love it. I mean, you have to be passionate about it. And, and one way I think people really gauge, you know, if I find this is not a business you want to come to and think you're gonna put your eight hours in. It's not, this is a business where this is who you are. I mean, this is how you become profitable is when you, when your life becomes, you know, the cattleman part of you becomes who you are because you're gonna need that. There's gonna be times where just because it's a job, you won't wanna do it. You know, there's gonna be times that you have to do it because this is who you are. And I think that, you know, so as you come into it, I think that's a must. I think it's a must in the business. Secondly is you have to come in this thing on your toes. And I think that's where we really need to speak differently and really approach the business differently from agriculture. We mentioned in the beginning of the podcast, you know, become, become somebody that, you're, you know, you're going to want to get to a position of authority and be an expert in what you do. Not a price taker, not somebody that's going to listen to your feed salesman tell you how to feed them. You know, and that's one thing we Tyler's not here with us today, but this is one thing this young man's become very good at, is that he has become an expert in all things of cattle production. He no longer will listen to the service guy that's trying to sell you something on what to do. He will figure this out. He will judge his results on the ranches, and he will make a determination that way. And I think that's where we need to get to as part of agriculture. If you get that part, this upside in cattle business, the upside in rural America, I've never seen it greater. I've never seen where there was more opportunity for somebody that can be aggressive, work hard, but also is, I want to say adverse to risk, but risk is not something that's going to back them down. Matter Mm -hmm. of fact, risk is probably something that's going to get them up in the morning and get after it because the opportunity out there to do this right now has never been greater. The tools are better that we can use. Aaron didn't speak, but Aaron's a great user of the tools. You know, he didn't mention Cavanies. I mean, we have focused very hard on Cavanies here. You know, we also I mean, if the animal is not conformational wise, we will move to the next one. You know, they're now where I was one of kind of the leader of that when we started. They now are the leaders of that, which I really try and encourage all my clients and, and, and especially here at Capital is have an opinion. Tell me what you like. Tell me what you don't like. And then we will adjust from that. So that's all part of branding. And I think Capital Angus is moving towards branding. So when you see the animal, and I hope people see that in the sale this year, when you see these bulls, when you see the females, and I know so even more as we're sitting here today, as we go in the replacement pen, you're starting to see the selection pressures that are defining what they want their brand to be. And that's exciting for me because that makes makes me we're moving to the next level. And I think if you can bring all those things to this business, this business does not have a ceiling in the future and i think that's exciting i mean if you're going to do this way of life and we're going to get up and we're going to do this and work this hard and and maybe have to miss some ball games or maybe have to miss like tyler we didn't we forced him to go to his uh, one of his kids birthday parties today you know he was ready to miss it for the cattle business and i'm saying and i'm and i'm you know that's going to have to happen if you're going to do this way of life some of those things are going to have to be missed but the upside of what will come because of that will be greater will be better And I think those things, as you look for what you want in the American way, for what you want for your life, uh, Aaron has also not mentioned, very faithful guy. This is one of our best connections is we're both faithful people. We believe in this way of life. He's got grandkids. I've got grandkids. You've got young kids in the sustaining of America and what this means for these kids and how to work hard, how to be responsible for what they do, how to big thing is be responsible for the result. A bad result is not a bad thing. A bad result is a great learning process by which you can learn in the cattle. We just taught, got done talking today. The cattle business is a function of making adjustments as you go. Mm-hmm. And that is a great thing because it adds to humility, adds to all the things that God wants for you in your life, is that he just wants you to get back up and get at it. And I think that's ranching. And that's one thing I think Aaron and I hold most similar between us. So, but yeah, so I, I think as, Look, I, I've never been more excited sitting here in 2023. I'm 56 years old and been in this thing 33 years, Amanda. The cattle business right now is is exciting.
0: So It is. And I think you hit the nail on the head of what it really is all about, is family and, and raising kids that have strong faith. And I, I can't think of a better way to raise the next generation than on the land being stewards of these animals, getting to see the full circle of life come to fruition and putting in a hard day's work. And when things go wrong, having a faith in a higher power in, in God, it makes it all make sense. It makes it all worthwhile. It's, it's
2: ties hard. it all together.
0: I think, I think so. And, and so Aaron, let's talk a little bit about the family. I've gotten to meet Tyler. We, we got to go talk to some Chicago beef eaters about the big <laughs> option ahead, which was probably like top 10 experiences of 2023. Um, but tell, tell me about the family. What is, who's all involved and what does family mean to you? And, and maybe speak a little on your faith too.
1: I really appreciate uh, Chris and uh, his value system because it's not common outside of ranching, and and I'm a physician, so I'm in a different, you know, I have a different walk and a different, you know, world that's different than ranching. So I get some different perspectives, but um, to have where people have the same value system, I tell ya, you, you want to be able to raise your kids up in the value system that you establish, you know, and and in and in the the ranching and farming parts of the the world, we still are able to do that. And those are still prized and valued, you know? I tell you, this country's gonna be in a lot of trouble if we can't reverse what we're teaching our kids as far as work ethics. You know, we're raising a generation of people who do not know how to work and do not value work and and don't understand why they should work, you know? So one of the interesting things just recently, I'll tell you about this, how it kind of relates to us. We've uh, hired some uh, immigrants from uh, South Africa, We've had other ranchers, ranch hands on the, on, on, the, on the farm locals and just just around just around this area. There's a different work ethic from these gentlemen that come from another country. They want to work 24 hours a day, seven days a week. we have to tell them stop, you know And uh, that's how it was when I was a kid. That's how it was when I was a young man. You just you showed up and they, and they told you when to go home and, and you were glad you had the job. And now it's like this entitlement generation, where no one is expected to work or you know, their first job is, you know, when they get out of college and they expect it to be six figures and they never had a job in their life, you know? And so that that's what we're up against as far as culture. And so how do you break that? Is that you teach your kids how to work from day one and you put them in an environment where they can work and they have the opportunity to work and you teach them to work. Then you develop this value system that I think has been here since the beginning of time, you know, that we're to, to function as a family, we're to function as a unit. And when the family unit's strong, everything's strong in our country. When the family unit's weak, everything's weak in our country because all that family unit goes back to God, goes back to our belief system, goes back to our values, you know. And um, we're a pretty tight-knit family. Uh, Tyler's is is our ranch manager, and uh, he has a wife, uh, Samantha Victoria, and uh, they have four children, and they're busy on the ranch all the time and very busy in the beef business and anything that needs to be done these are the shoulders that are against the plow doing it, you know, and my wife, uh, we've been married, uh, 40 years this past summer. It's awesome. Yeah. And, uh, she's, she's, the kind of the heart and soul of the whole family and the glue that keeps us together. And, uh, she, um, watches, uh, all the grandkids. So, uh, between her and the other grandmas, that's our, that's the daycare. The kids spend all the time with their grandparents when their parents are not there. So that's a blessing to us. That's not always possible, but uh, for us it is. And, it's uh, it's valued, you know. And then we have our, our my daughter. She lives here uh, in the East Texas area, and my wife gets to watch her ten month old daughter as well. Her husband uh, works a similar business, the medical business that I'm part of. So we all we work as a tight family unit. Uh, the whole family does. And so I tell you, the best employees are the ones I've raised, you know. And uh, that makes me proud because they got it right. They got the work the work ethics down. They don't get paid a whole lot, you know, and so so <laughs> uh, you have to cut this part out probably, but you know, uh,
0: they, uh, they,
1: they get paid, you know, for the quality of life they have with their family and and uh, they pay their bills, but uh, they have different expectations, I think, than people their their age across the country. And, and I think that, you know, you have to value certain things and then you trade certain things for those values, right? We're always trading time for money and money for time. And so it's a trade-off, but it's what you what you put what your values on. And, and I feel like we're just really blessed to have the family unit we have and have the business that we're beginning because we think that uh, there's a, there's, there's, there's no ceiling on this. You know, if we can tap into the market and find our way into the market, you know, and the, and the, it's real vogue now to sell locally and to buy locally and to eat locally. And so we play right into that because we're a local, you know, and this is where we're kind of putting our roots down with our beef business and we're getting the most traction. People want to know who's raising their cattle, what's going into them. Is it, you know, full of hormones and antibiotics or whatever or not, you know? And so it makes, it makes a lot of difference to our clientele and to our customers. And so we're, we're accelerating off that. And uh, we try to bring a a very um, wholesome product to the market that, is very good to eat, you know, and as, as it brings a lot of excitement, I think, to our business when you really are founded on the qualities of marbling, tenderness, and all these these kind of things that Chris has really emphasized in the cattle that we've bought. You know, just for instance, you know, we're, we're part owners in the deadwood bull genetics, and um, that's a that bull's been a game changer, you know, you know, top 1% marbling, and he's top 1% tenderness, not everybody looks at that, but people that are making beef look at that, you know, and
0: absolutely, our
1: offspring that are coming out of that bull, we're selling in our sale and we're keeping some of the females and trying to propagate those genetics because those are genetics that change your program and they change it in ways that it takes, I think, generations to, to try to to get to this point. You can change them faster.
0: Well, let's talk about the sale. Chris, can you share the details of when it is, where folks can watch online and maybe some of the exciting lots or featured genetics that maybe folks should pay attention to.
2: So, yeah, so the sale is November 11th and uh, it'll be right here in White House, Texas. You know, we referenced it a little bit. It'll be an exciting day. I mean, it's, uh, I'm an Angus guy. So look, I love the beef side, but I'm focused on their genetics. And I think, uh, you know, as you go through the program and you spend a lot of time with it, it's our best set of bulls for, for sure. And we'll have probably in that 75 to 80 bull, bull range, probably when the time gets here. And and they're tremendous, they're older bulls. So they're grown out in a great management system. You know, what's great about older bulls is you can see the full expression of the genetics. You know, you've got all the data there, you've got all the calculations, you got all the predictions, but there's nothing better than seeing an 18, 24 month old bull. You know, everything is there for you, for you to see. we're gonna have a pile of them. And as you go through the bulls, you're gonna notice, you know, some similar things. You're gonna notice that the CEDs, the cavities is there. You know, you want that, you know, as, as ranches really struggle to get laid, to get the labor, you know, if they have one problem, it's a problem, you know? So a lot of these guys are really focused on, you know, being able to find cattle that, you know, have predictions of, you know, not having heavier calves. They've done a great job of that here. As you see replacements start to get replaced to try to replenish the cow herd across the country. Heifer bulls are going to be needed. Heifer bulls that can cover big country. Those are older bulls. So you're going to find those here. Secondly, we've upped the numbers here on the ranch. I mean, it's just a tremendous amount of cattle on the ranch right now, which has left us the ability to sell the females. So we're going to have a lot of females from bred heifers to past donors. Most of them are going to have heifer calves in them. Your banker is going to love you if you buy them because, you know, it's two equities on one purchase price. You know, that is, as we go into a market, there's nothing better than when you come 2024 and one turns into two. And that is from a buying perspective, that's a great option. They've got herd bulls here that we've done or think we've done a great job focusing on, Amanda, that no one else really has and and they're diverse in their pedigree. So you're gonna see a lot of bulls here that a lot of these cows are bred to that a lot of people don't have, which focuses in on, you know what could another be another part of the Part of this sale day is the new acquisition of Rhodes, Dr. Dre, which I think is one of the most exciting bulls to come down the road in a long time. He's got a diverse pedigree from the bottom side, tremendous PAP score and the combination of performance and his PAP score raised in big hilly country bull came off huge. He's just a specimen. He has all the outcross potential that the market desires. He's got, um, end product merit all these things that I think drive value. We're working on a marketing system for them. We're going to have it in place by sale day. We're excited to present it to the market. And that is, it's going to be very specific to the bull and very specific to the people that have a chance to own a piece of the bull, either through semen or however we determine, but it's going to be exciting thing for the future. And uh, we're excited to have that as part of what could be just a landmark day from border to border, sea to sea, you know, for a lot of people. So we're excited to get to that point, be a large offering, very excited about how the presentation will be and can't wait.
0: Great, well, I'm excited about the sale November 11th. Aaron, can you tell us where folks can follow along for sale updates and details?
1: Yes, uh, best source of that would be capitalangus.com. And uh, we'll have our um, all the bulls listed on that so they can look at the bulls, look at their pedigrees. As soon as we can get the videos, taken they'll be posted a week or so before the sale you know we're picture days coming up in the near future and we'll have them all pictured and so as soon as all that's available we'll try to have it uh, so you'll we'll have pictures to go with the uh, pedigrees and epds uh, but capitalangus.com is uh, is the page to go to
0: and that's ol capital right. yes yes and folks can also go check out texasbeefhouse.com aaron forgot to mention his number one tool for selling beef, and that's those cute grandkids that go to the farm. <laughs> yeah. market and all the beef sure. for them. Well, I imagine that kind of helps a little bit.
1: Yeah, <laughs> yeah. it's a it's a family effort for sure.
0: <laughs> Child abuse, making those kids work. <laughs> time. That's what people are. Well, I was going to
1: say there is one great post. One of the great posts that Tyler ever did is they've got
2: a system here where they've uh, they've got a cement pad and they feed into it. Well, the cattle push the feed out to where they can't reach through it from the from the bar. So. Tyler's main chores is he drops the kids out there and they all got to shovel it back. So it was a hot day and he's got a little son that was out there. You know, he's all had his shirt off and people love that post. You know, <laughs> that he, here's this kid on a hot day, shoveling the feed back in and he didn't care. I mean, they he was it. So it was a great post. Yeah.
0: yeah. Some folks on social media don't always understand it, but you <laughs> mentioned it perfectly. Just right. the value of hard work and family and faith. And I, I think a lot of America's challenges could be solved by families that work together, play together and pray together. So we we will wrap up this episode of the heart of rural America with that note. And we'll have all the sale details, the catalog, the videos, everything you need to know about the upcoming beef auction. That's going to be a historic landmark event coming up on November 11th. I'll put that all in the show notes so you can stay up to date on everything going on with Capital Angus. So thanks, Chris. Thanks, Aaron, for being on the show.
2: Thank you, Amanda. Thanks, Amanda. You're the best. We'll see you on the dusty trail. Yeah.
0: Thank you for tuning into the show. If you found value in the message, I would be so grateful if you would subscribe and share to help spread the word. Until next time we meet on the dusty trail, I'm Amanda Radke, and this is The Heart of Roll America.